This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friends. Again, it's Nate Clayberg, and we are in for our next episode of That's a Job podcast. Again, this is a show where we introduce you to jobs, careers, and work that many people don't really know about or how they even how to even get into that role. And uh, today I'm excited to bring on somebody that uh, I met during our, our shutdown back in 2020 uh, during career week. So I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm part of the CAPS network, which stands for the Center for Advanced Professional Studies that, that I'm a part of in the state of Iowa, uh, connects with uh, so many schools around the country. And uh, during shutdown, we were thinking, how can we uh, still do some good stuff for students and turned out even for adults uh, far and beyond or near and beyond uh, to talk about or meet people and, and find out about that their work they do. So we did this uh, CAPS Network uh, Career Week back in May of 2020. And one of those connections uh, that we brought on uh, is Jennifer Lindsay. Uh, she's with uh, Corbion. And uh, you may not know what Corbion is, but I'm sure can say that you've probably had some interaction if you're listening to this with something that Corbion has done. So Jennifer, welcome on. And maybe you can explain what I mean by that, that somebody listening probably has had some sort of interaction with Corbion, but did not know it. Yes, and, and thank you, Nate, for inviting me to be part of this. Um, I welcome the opportunity to uh, spread the word about my career and how I fell into my career. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful industry to be a part of. So to answer your first question, I guarantee people have somehow, some way interacted with Corbion. They just weren't aware of it. Corbion is a global food ingredient um, developer, supplier, manufacturer. Uh, they're also in non-foods, but we will we'll focus on the food side for today. And we do highly functional food ingredients. So we're in products within the grocery store that you buy every day. And often the ingredients that we have are what allow that food to be safely consumed over time or give you the freshness and the texture and the eating experience that you desire. Um, but we can get into more of that later on. But the key thing about Corbion, it's composed and comprised of very talented individuals that have food science backgrounds or other STEM backgrounds, such as chemistry, biology, biochemistry, microbiology. So when, when, you, when you look at food science, and, and this is something I think people just completely forget, and uh, if somebody would go back and, and listen to an interview you had in 2020 with... Um, uh, during our career week, uh, you, you talk about your history and looking at interest in science. And I think that's where a lot of students they hear are told, you know, they're good in science or excel in science, that medical is the pathway they're supposed to pursue mm -hmm. or engineering, right? And right. this is a world you discovered uh, once you get into college that you had no idea about. Can you talk more through that of, of your pathway from being that at high school graduate into your next step after after graduating? Yeah, sure. So um, I was that kid that always loved science. I was that kid that watched the science shows on TV um, and was just fascinated in, in science classes. And I would say even still today, 
a majority of the time when you are a kid exploring your career paths, you are told engineer, medicine, uh, those are the two key areas that you could go into if you enjoy sciences. My older sister was also studying to be a chemical engineer. So that was my exposure there. So I was more hardwired for the biological sciences. And so of course I decided, well, I'll major as an undergrad in biochemistry and become a doctor because that's what you did. It was probably a year into my college efforts where I woke up one day and thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to school for four years after I graduate from undergrad and then have an internship and then have a fellowship and then have to specialize. For me, even though I love the sciences, for my particular goals in life, I didn't want to live, breathe, eat, sleep, want to be a doctor. And in my opinion, that's what it would take for me to do that. Um, and I panicked. I absolutely, three o'clock in the morning was like, what am I going to do? What have I done all this time and energy? What am I going to do with my life? At, at what point was so, that? Was that, were you already a freshman in college or, or what point in I your education did you, did you have that it, revolution? It was <clears throat> second semester, my freshman year. Okay. And it was <clears throat> where I had known enough, even within my biochemistry. I mean, I was hitting the hard sciences from day one with my, my uh, workload, heavy into the biology, chemistry, physics, calculus, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just that, that realization when you're on campus and you, you're starting to understand more beyond just in high school of, well, this is what I'm gonna do. You start to, it, it starts, you start to internalize the effort and the commitment it's gonna take. And yeah, I, I just had this awakening of, I don't think I want to do this. But then that fear came into my mind of, well, if I don't wanna do this, what am I gonna do? And I still like science, but I have no path anymore. And I think that's what the, the scariest thing was. I felt rudderless. I felt like I, I was stuck and scared because I didn't know what I didn't know. Because how so, early did you, did, you, did you decide that you thought medical was that pathway? How, how old do you feel like you were? What grade when you were like, okay, this is a pathway, check the box and I'm just gonna move on with life and, and it'll just, it'll happen. Honestly, I think I was in probably junior high. I was probably okay. in sixth or seventh grade. So it was okay. something, and that's what I always said. Like whenever you would go to your grandparents' house and they're like, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Which seems to be the question everybody says. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, <clears throat> so you just kind of lock in on that. And of course, everybody reinforces that because, okay, it's kind of cool if you say you want to be a doctor. Um, well, when, when so you say that reinforced, after, you know, was there going through your mind of, and I've seen this um, fear of disappointing the people you said you were going to do this, that you were like, I can't change because I said, I said, this was this talk through that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it was, I'm going to disappoint people. I'm in, in a little bit of, am I disappointing myself? Because I told myself I wanted to do this since I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, and I think it's that self-awareness and discovery, which is as much a part of college as your academic career is. 
-hmm. is this discovery of self. It's this awakening of where you get your energy and your passion from. Um, it's connecting the dots and having conversations, kind of like what your podcast is about right now. Uh, I stumbled into food science because I went and talked to the dean of agriculture. And it just so happened that biochemistry was part of agriculture at the University of Missouri, where I went. Um, whereas straight chemistry, straight biology was in arts and science. So different colleges on the university campus. And it was that Dean of Agriculture that suggested to me to go into food science, of which my response was, no, I don't <laughs> want to go into home economics. Right. And right. She, she looked at me and said, no, no, back up, back up. That's not what this is. This is not you learning how to cook. This is you understanding the biochemistry of food food systems and those systems in the body. It's basically a more specialized discipline of biochemistry. Do you feel like okay, looking now back? <laughs> so do you feel like looking back, um, is there a point you felt like you could have discovered this sooner? Or or how could you have discovered mm -hmm. this sooner? Would that have been impossible just thinking back as far as what you were exposed to or not exposed to? <sighs> When I reflect back at my childhood and growing up as a teenager, no, I don't know how I could have stumbled across this earlier, honestly. And now you are hitting on the exact reason that I appreciate the connection that you and I have and you giving me an opportunity to get the word out. Sure. Every university in the United States that has a food science program, and by the way, not all universities do, um, is struggling with this. We need to get the word out that this is a fantastic career path, uh, good career stability, good trajectory to go in many different directions, really good pay, benefits, everything. So we could talk about that too, you know, after a while. But um, it's just not well known. And yeah. I don't yeah. know why, but I'm trying to be a part of a, uh, of a network of individuals that we, be, we make it more known because it is such an important career path. It's a needed career path for, for just the globe. Um, and it's a good career path. But you know, you come through with a degree uh, in, in food science, human nutrition, things like that. But now, you know, uh, I was, you know, going through your LinkedIn profile and put that in the, in the profile, but you know, now you're VP of global marketing. How, how did you yeah. go from that to, from dealing with uh, studying flavors and matching flavors uh, early <laughs> on to now you're doing international global marketing for uh, for a company like, like Corbian? How did that happen? Well, it, you know, I think that's another key learning for your listeners, especially for any young students that are in high school or even early in your college career. Um, have faith that what you start with in your career, and maybe you're saying, I don't know if I want to do this forever. Guess what? You don't have to. Your career will take many twists and turns, and there will be opportunities before you reach out and grab them because your career can evolve in so many different ways. So what you start with is not necessarily what you're gonna end with. And that's what's really cool. Um, 
the way my personality is, and I know you talk about personality assessments and understanding how you're wired and how where you get your energy from and to engage your, your brain and your commitment to what you pursue. Um, I knew I am that individual that while I love the science, I also love the business side of things. And my sweet spot is the connection of the two. And what I have found over the years, especially in food, is nothing is more emotional than food. And I think we've learned that through the pandemic, which by the way, there has been a resurge, a reawakening, if you will, of baking and cooking at home. People are rediscovering the joy of food, but food is the most, it's you obviously it's ubiquitous. Everybody has to eat. That's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But every country, every culture, every race, every religion has this tradition and celebrations around food. It's what brings us together. The pandemic, again, reinforced that. When everybody was shut down, what did we do? We For those who were with us, whether it was a small bubble of friends or just your family, that rediscovery of food, that sharing of that experience, it's an emotional connection. And so there is the science of food, but there is this emotion of food and that together always fascinated me. So that's why I actually, I started my career as a sensory scientist and sensory is taking the five senses and using that as a way to quantify food differences. And that's also very connected into marketing. And interestingly enough, even though people sometimes think of marketing as all it is, is trying to get people to do stuff and buy stuff and make you Mm -hmm. aware, there is a lot of research and proven science in terms of how the brain makes decisions. So that also fed the science side of me about that brain physiology and how decisions are made in the brain. And it was really that connection, that bridge is how I got into marketing because those are my passions between the two worlds. Talk about that first job coming out of, uh, out of Mizzou, uh, you know, going into uh, becoming a sensory scientist for DuPont. Uh, and I don't know if it was DuPont back then, but you know, that pathway of coming in, how did you, how did, how did they, how did you discover that? Or did they discover you? Um, So my first job was actually with a company called Mid-America Dairymen, which is actually now Dairy Farmers of America. And so um, they discovered me through their, your, your uh, recruitment department, your career center at the university. And they were looking for somebody to be the first sensory scientist that they had. Um, And I established the sensory program for DFA way back when. They didn't have a program, and so I helped build that up Um, and also worked overseeing the labs uh, for the product lines that they had um, in terms of, uh, you know, pizza cheese and seasoning, you know, blends for snacks. Um, I got got to think you uh, a year or two out of college uh, interacting with family or people saying, what are you doing now, Jennifer? And you're like, well, I'm a sensory scientist. And they're like, "Uh, what? (laughs) <laughs> you, yeah. had, you had to have yeah. some of that. 
Oh, you had that even when you said you're a food scientist. And the first thing you get when you say you're a food scientist, and they're like, oh, so you're a chef in a restaurant. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> not not even close. Um, in fact, if you talk to my children, they will tell you I'm the furthest thing from your chef. <laughs> but I can tell you about the chemistry that's going on in that formulation, which is called a recipe. Um, but yes, I got that question a lot. And um, I mean, sensory to this day still fascinates me. Um, even though we have so many amazing pieces of equipment that can measure and synthesize and, and crank out this data to tell you things, there is nothing more fine-tuned as an instrument and data processor than the human brain. And sensory scientists use that human brain through the five senses, like I said, to quantify and measure differences or even develop kind of a fingerprint, if you will, of a food or food system, and then use that as a way to help guide food scientists formulate either products to match something or to improve upon something. And then you can connect it to other types of methodologies to find what drives consumer um, purchasing behavior for certain products. So I could really geek out with you on this, but um, I know we only have a certain amount of time. But well, that itself is another career path. That's sure. a sub industry itself. So. Yeah, you know, you talk through that. You talk through the places you've been and, and what you've been involved with. Um, what's up and coming? What do you What are you seeing evolve in the food sciences, uh, either coming because of the pandemic or because of technology or um, or whatever impact you have? What What's coming up that that there's students or people out there still trying to figure out what their pathway is, and maybe they have an interest in in food and also have an interest in science. And okay, I didn't know this is a connection thing. Because uh, I know that's a discovery question I have students ask is, you know, <clears throat> what jobs are up and coming that I should know about? Um, right. you know, maybe a job if you were coming out of, uh, out of college right now, uh, a job you would now be interested in that you had no idea it was or not even available to you uh, back then. Right. There was a lot in that. There was there a lot in that question. Yeah, and there's a lot I could answer. So I'm going to try to hit the high points for where. I believe there could be some interest with the up and coming generation um, and what their interests are. And, and I'm also going to use my own three children who are all Gen Z's who are all in university right now to kind of connect the dots to what I understand their interests are and their generational uh, concerns are. So very high level, I'm going to connect the dots with sustainability. Um, a lot of the research going into things right now within the food space, food itself, and also food packaging is where you can use biodegradable sources that can go into food-based um, or food-grade-based type of bioplastics that can uh, decompose in the landfill versus sitting there for millennia. Um, that is all research done with protein chemistry, carbohydrate chemistry, uh, that can be products that occur in nature and agriculture and being repurposed for packaging. Okay. Um, 
feeding the world is something I talk about and it sounds so lofty and so high and it's hard to kind of bring that down to where you are, but we don't feed the world today and the population is gonna grow even more in the lifespan of kids today. And we need to feed the world if we're talking about security globally um, from, from outbreaks of violence and war, because it goes back to, I love Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's the way to explain it. If you can't satisfy your basic needs in life, unfortunately, societies will go to war over that. Right. Um, so we have to do that. Um, if you look at just overall more natural, simple labels, people are connecting more nutrition to their health, their health to immunity, and that really is showing through in our research coming out of COVID, that that connection is more well understood and tighter. And so how do we formulate foods that are still safe to consume? Because I'll tell you this, people like preservation and preservatives get such a bad rap in more the food activist type of social media. And when I see some of that, I just kind of shake my head because if we didn't have some of these ingredients in food, your food would have foodborne pathogens, spoilage bacteria, and some of those can make you really, really sick. So they're there for a reason. You go back in history, there have been many, many outbreaks due to food where people have died because they were not safe to consume. So we are now able to do research in natural preservation using mother nature and what she has already designed with good bacteria in terms of organic acids and peptides and enzymes to help control bad bacteria in food. Um, those are research paths. Um, and food evolves all the time. Think about right. how often you go to the grocery store and something new is out on the market. It is continuously changing. It's called a fast moving consumer good industry for that reason. You have to have scientists that are on top of that and keeping the interest alive in the market. Um, and again, go back to the emotion of food. People want to try and experiment with things. And so that's, that's what makes it fast paced and exciting at the same time. So where's, what's the best avenue for, for somebody, um, either a high school student, college student, a young adult or whatever that maybe picked up on something you said, where could they go to learn more about the jobs out there in food industry? Is there an association? Is there your company website? Is there, is there a resource I can put a, put a link in that, that can, can help offer some information? Yes. You can think so of? first, yes. First I would say go to the Institute of Food Technology, ift.org. That is a group, that's an affinity group, an organization that really focuses on food science itself and the network of universities in the United States, as well as globally, that work together to further the research in specific areas. Um, and then keep in mind too, that all when we say the research specific areas, you've got the meat industry, you've got the baking industry, you've got the pet food industry. Right. Somebody's got to formulate pet food and pet treats. I mean, think about that in itself. And that's a big booming area is pet food formulation. You think as a human being that you had a 100% nutritionally complete food item that you ate every day, your entire life, and you liked it. 
and you only get that one food. Right. Um, okay, we have to do that for animals. Um, the animal science industry, not the same as food science, but it's a sister program, if you will, around animal health and welfare because they are part of our food chain. So within your college of agriculture schools, which are usually land grant universities, which means they have a lot of research tied that they work with the government and other agencies, um, very, very well versed in these, these specific type of degree programs. And that's where you're gonna find the specialization and the research that's going on. Well, think back to all of the products or whatever you've been involved with. What is the, uh, I'm trying to decide what word to use, wildest, most interesting, most exotic thing or product that people are going to be a part of or know, I guess, what stands out to you? Like, oh, I can't believe I worked on uh, the Nerds candy bar. I don't know. What, you, what's, what, what goes back in your mind if you think of all of the, the items you've been a part of in your career? That would be interesting <laughs> for somebody to listen to. Um, well, with, without giving away too much stuff, because again, you're going to have some proprietariness also within the industry, but these go back like 20 years ago when I was actually working on the bench as an application technologist. Um, and I can share some projects I was involved in the, uh, butter flavor popcorn jelly belly I worked on, um, the ready to eat rice crispy bars I worked on. The vanilla Starbucks Frappuccino in the bottles I worked okay. on. Um, I worked on butter flavors that go on movie theater popcorn. Um, those are the ones off the top of my head. And I will tell you the story. When I was in flavors, and, I, and when you work with flavors, you smell like the flavors you work with. <laughs> and my kids were really little, and I'd pick them up at preschool. And when, I'm, when I worked on butter flavors... I smelled like butter, like from head to toe, really strong. And my kids, I'd pick them up and they would hug me and they're like, oh, mommy, you smell. You know? <laughs> but then when I would work on flavors like maple or vanilla and I'd pick them up, they're like, oh, mommy, you smell like pancakes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. so do your kids have a hard time going to the movie theater still? Uh, they'd walk in and it was just a uh... Uh, uh, that those that that sensory that you get or memories that come from senses of smell or whatever. Uh, I want. Right. I, I just wondered if there was that impact. Yeah, our kids are very in tune to food food differences. I will tell you that around our dinner table, I don't think we had normal conversations around our dinner table. I would <laughs> say because we would get into the chemistry and microbiology of food. So. Sometimes my kids, maybe they know too much. Um, and some of the discussions we had around the dinner table, I mean, when you're talking microbiology and food safety and some of the outcomes of if something isn't safe and you get infected, we're pretty blunt around the table from a science perspective. And I don't know if that would be considered um, in most places, good table conversations around sure, food. Sure, sure. <laughs> <So. laughs> well, the last question I like to ask, uh, you know, looking back in the career you had through food science and, and where it's evolved into to marketing, market research, things like that. If you had to decide today, um, moving forward and someone said, Jennifer, you can now have your dream job. What would that be? Oh my gosh. You know, I've been thinking about that, honestly, because sometimes I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Um, 
and that's what I think. It, it, and honestly, I mean, I'm 53 years old and thinking, oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I still think that. And I think that's, um, that's a good thing to do. And I, I hope the, the kids listening to that understand, don't ever lose that because the path you start on is not going to be the path you have to stay on. So stay hungry, keep learning and evolve along the way. Um, my dream job, wow, I, I kind of think I'm in my dream job. I love the combination of the marketing, the business and the science. I know my dream job will always have to be connected to science. It feeds me, it intrigues me. Um, I love the intersection of turning the science into the so what. I would always have to have a job where I'm connecting those worlds of the science to the so what. What does that benefit for us as human beings on the other side? and translating that in a way so people understand that benefit and can understand the importance of science and how it helps us advance as a society, as a culture overall. Well, I am three for three when I've asked somebody that question and they basically tell me the job they have now uh, in some semblance <laughs> of it. But so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I haven't had a monorail driver or something like that just yet. But, uh, uh, you know, when you look at the skill sets, there's a technical skill sense, right, especially in science. But, but you know, what can you advise people listening to this? The, the, and I don't necessarily like to call them soft skills, but the professional skills, the human skills, they feel like people need to really focus on developing to really set themselves up for success. What, what recommendations would you have? Wow. Um, I would say, again, that's a lifelong, never stop learning skill to practice and develop and hone in on. First thing I would say that was a key learning for me, um, and this was really not until my early 30s. So if you can learn this in, in high school, in your early 20s, you are so far ahead of the game. You have to know yourself first. That's self-awareness. And that means the strengths as well as the weaknesses. That means sometimes your best intentions for how you want to come across to communicate may not be received as you intended. And that's kind of a hard thing to understand and hear at first, and, and it, it makes you vulnerable. Um, I would say lean into that vulnerability and learn how you have to maybe adapt and modify for the people you are on a team with or that you're talking with. Um, doesn't mean you have to change who you are. It means understand how they receive information and you may have to adapt how you deliver that information so that it can be received as intended. And that just overall helps you to be a better coworker, a better parent, a better partner. Um, it's that self-awareness and never stop learning and the hard part is to step back and, and sometimes understand you have to maybe change a bit of some things that you do. And that can be, that can be tough. The next thing I would say is put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And if you can put yourself in their shoes and try to understand the context of their world and the lens that they look at the world through, 
it may help you to be maybe less defensive or angry or upset that they're not getting your message or they don't understand what you mean. Um, I, I tell the team that I work with globally that I firmly believe that people do not get up every day with the intention of making somebody else angry. They have good intentions. Well, Jennifer, that is uh, an awesome way uh, to end this and that they continues to um, strengthen what we try and say as far as, yeah, you can learn uh, the school piece, the, the technical piece, all those things you need to do the job, but you know, the skill sets on how you do the job and how you work with others. Um, that's that we're trying to move the needle on that, trying to make sure we have more of that in the world right. so we can fill those jobs that you have at Corbion, right? Exactly. Exactly. And if I could just say one thing, my middle son graduated in food science and had three job offers, folks. So parents, if you want your kids off the payroll, really highly encourage you to look at a food science program. <laughs> so I will put that link in the show notes and, and uh, Jennifer's connections on LinkedIn and, and uh, at Corbian's website, things like that. But Jennifer, it's been great to reconnect after uh, the Caps Career Week from a couple of years ago. And uh, exciting to see where things come in food systems and food science. And, and uh, we, we need food. So let's just keep going. Yes, we do. Thank you for being on this journey and please subscribe and share this podcast on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy. Discover the work you are wired to do and check out the new college and career discovery course available at nateclayberg.com. Live your adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.